What is up everyone? It is Quinn here back with another video. A few days ago, I went through, you know, most of the big time fantasy free agent signings and I talked about how in the next few days, I was going to be updating my way too early 2023 rankings. So in this specific video, I'm going to be rerunning my top 12 running backs for the 2023 season. Obviously, these could still switch up, you know, with some late free agent moves. Um, you know, the NFL draft could shake things up also, but this is where I'm sitting right now. And I'm also actually going to be dividing these into tiers. I believe we have uh, four tiers for these top 12 running backs. And then also one guy that I talked about in my first set of rankings, I talked about Bijan Robinson. I think I had him like running back four, running back five. When I was going through these rankings again, you know, there were some guys who could be really worthy of being a top 12 player. And so I didn't really think it was fair to have Bijan Robinson in there when we don't even know like what NFL team he's going to be on. So I took him out of these rankings. Um, you know, once he gets drafted, I'm very confident he'll be back in the top 12, but we're going to be going with uh, just, you know, guys who have actually played in the NFL, none of these uh, running back prospects, just because we don't have the landing spot. But let's just jump right into it. And I'm going to start it off with uh, one of my two tier one players. And at number one, I have Christian McCaffrey. He's coming off of a big time 2022 season. He was the RB2 in half point PPR points per game. When I'm going to be referencing points per game, I'm just going to be rolling with a half point PPR, you know, for this video. And if we look at his numbers when he was just with the 49ers, so if we're taking away, you know, his early season numbers with the Panthers, he actually would have been the running back one overall in points per game. He's a guy who came out, he beat the injury prone narrative. Remember, you know, 2020, 2021, super banged up, only played 10 total games in those two seasons. That's why people were fading him. There was a lot of people out there, you know, I can't take him with the first pick. He can't stay on the field, you know, ignoring the fact that he had been super healthy throughout college and early on in the NFL. Remember the running back position, injuries are going to happen, but none of his injuries were super, you know, catastrophic and none of them were, you know, repeat injuries where you could actually label him injury prone. So in 2022, bounced back, beat the narrative, played a full 17 game season plus three playoff games. So I think we're past that. Now, you know, Keep in mind, that's not to say that Christian McCaffrey won't go out in, you know, 2023 and get hurt. Like the running back position is tough. They, uh, you know, take on a lot of wear and tear, but I don't think he's any more likely to get injured than, you know, really any of the other running backs that are also going in this range. He may not even be a guy who has a top five workload with the 49ers. We did see games where they relied on Elijah Mitchell. They weren't just totally force feeding Christian McCaffrey, but in his opportunities, he's going to be efficient. He's going to be super involved as a pass catcher. He's going to have a ton of touchdown upside on this 49ers offense. And keep in mind also, like Christian McCaffrey was traded mid-season. He was used pretty creatively by the 49ers. And we didn't even have Kyle Shanahan, you know, scheming him up throughout the offseason. I think Christian McCaffrey is going to be a focal point of this offense. And I think he is going to have another big season, you know, as long as he can stay on the field. Now, the second player I have in tier one is going to be Austin Eckler. And for this video, I'm just going to be uh, assuming that he stays with the Chargers. You know, there have been some reports. He's done some interviews. He's not uh, currently happy with his contract situation. But if he is on the Chargers heading into 2023, his role is just going to be elite. In 2022, Eckler led the NFL in targets, receptions, and routes run. So, you know, we know the receiving workload is going to be there. Maybe those decrease a little bit with the uh, wide receiver room staying maybe, you know, a little healthier in uh, 2023. But the thing that I thought was most impressive that he was able to repeat his uh, big 2021 touchdown numbers. I believe he scored 20 touchdowns in 2021 
A lot of people thought that was unsustainable. He put up 18 this past season, and that's with him not even being like crazy involved on the goal line. Like it's not like he had a monopoly over the goal line opportunities, but he still was able to, you know, score a ton of touchdowns. Now, if he does move teams, um, you know, this could change in terms of him being at number two. You know, maybe he's three, four, five, six, somewhere in there, because we just don't know what the usage is going to be like. But until then, you know, until we hear he's on a different team, he's going to stay here at number two for me. Hopefully, him and the Chargers are able to uh, figure that contract out. Now, moving into tier two, the uh, first player I have here is going to be Saquon Barkley, number three overall. He's going to be back with the Giants after being franchise tagged. And just like Christian McCaffrey, Saquon was another dude who proved he could stay healthy basically over a full season. He uh, missed one out of uh, 17 games. He also stayed healthy with a super strong workload at an 80.1% opportunity share, which ranked third in the NFL. I really think the main area for improvement for Saquon could come in the touchdown department. He got into the end zone 10 times, which like isn't terrible, but with that kind of workload in 16 games, you know, you'd be hoping a guy like Saquon would score 12, 13, 14, 15, maybe even 16 touchdowns over the season. It didn't happen, but the Giants have made some offensive improvements. They brought in Darren Waller. I think they're going to continue to make some upgrades, hopefully at the wide receiver position. And I just think, you know, rising tides are going to lift all the ships here. Saquon Barkley is going to be a beneficiary of that. And I think he could see a, uh, a bigger touchdown season while replicating his 2022 workload. And then the second and final player in tier two is going to be Jonathan Taylor. I just think he's a prime candidate for a huge bounce back here. He was a guy who was pretty close to being like the consensus uh, number one pick. I think I had him as my running back too. I did have CMC there, but I do think I was in the minority in terms of liking CMC at that number one spot. Jonathan Taylor overall it was just a disaster season. He played in 11 games and, you know, was the RB 18 in points per game, which was definitely not what you were expecting if you're taking him like first, second, third overall. The offensive line fell apart on the Colts. The quarterback play was really, really poor. And then we had Jonathan Taylor dealing with, you know, different ankle injuries throughout the season, ended up, uh, you know, wrapping up his season early. But this is the same guy who finished as like the RB1 in the 2021 season. So I'm not willing to just, you know, totally throw him away. I think this Colts offense should be better. You know, they're probably going to have one of these rookie quarterbacks coming in. They're going to rely on Jonathan Taylor. And I think he's a guy who should be considered like a top five running back heading into uh, this next season. Now, moving into tier three, this is definitely going to be the largest tier. I really think a lot of these guys could be flipped around, so I'm not super set in stone here. You can kind of just pick what type of player you want in this range. But at number five, I'm going to be going with Derrick Henry. Now, I do have some reservations just due to the fact that Henry's getting up there in age. We know he's had some massive workloads, but it just feels like every season we're saying, you know, Henry's due to fall off. This is going to be the year. And then he just goes out, balls out, takes on a huge workload, and he doesn't fall off at all. Last season, finished as the RB3 in points per game, played in 16 out of 17 games, averaged close to 22 carries a game, and then also actually had one of his uh, or his best receiving season of his career, 33 receptions, 398 receiving yards. So nothing crazy, but when Derrick Henry's, you know, making his money on the ground and then you're adding that receiving work on top of it, definitely going to help him out for fantasy. And actually as a receiver, he was super efficient. He was the RB1 in yards per route run and yards per reception. So maybe we even see a slight increase in his receiving workload from the 2022 season. Now, if you're concerned about that fall off, I really, you know, wouldn't be pushing too hard against it. Like if you thought he should be more 
RB7, RB8. Like I'd be fine with it. For me, I'm just willing to take the swing here because if Derrick Henry's on the field, his workload is going to be huge and he is going to be producing for you. Now at number six, I have Brees Hall also in tier three. At this point, I'm just going to be assuming that Aaron Rodgers is a jet. When I'm recording this, that trade has not been finalized, but it just feels like, you know, that trade has to happen. If we look back at Brees Hall last season, he was the RB7 in points per game. Now, obviously he only played in seven games, but what's crazy about that rank at RB7 is that in those seven games he played, the first three, he was in a committee with Michael Carter, and then he left early in the seventh with that ACL tear. So, I mean, he was really like the workhorse or, you know, not even the full-on workhorse, but kind of the guy for three of those games. He had under 10 carries in four of the seven and still managed to be a mid-tier RB1 when he was on the field. I think if he didn't tear his ACL and just kind of continued on the trajectory he was on, I think you could make a legit argument for him to be in tier one with a guy like McCaffrey, with a guy like Eckler. I mean, who knows? If he stayed healthy, he might have just straight up, you know, outproduced those guys. The ACL, obviously a little bit concerning, but it does look like he is going to be on track to play in week one, which, you know, is obviously good to see. Maybe it takes him a few weeks to get back to 100%, you know, to fully trust his body. But right now it's looking good for Brees Hall with Aaron Rodgers on that offense. You know, the touchdown upside is going to be there. So I do like Hall. And if we keep getting positive uh, medical reports, he may move up um, even higher than this. And then right behind him at number seven in tier three, I have Kenneth Walker, another guy coming off of an impressive rookie season. Walker really came in and took over once Rashad Penny went down for the season. In Kenneth Walker's 10 healthy starts, he averaged over 20 carries a game. I think for Walker here, the big question is just going to be his receiving work. It was kind of limited in 2022. We weren't sure if he could do it due to, you know, not being super involved as a pass catcher in college. But if the Seahawks do give him that full three down workload, we could be looking at Kenneth Walker as a dude who's just like Brees Hall making that jump into tier one moving forward. If he can't get that receiving work, maybe his ceiling is more of like a mid-tier RB1, maybe back-end RB1, but I think being you know ranked here at number seven is fair. At number eight, I'm going with Josh Jacobs, and if you want Jacobs higher, I'm really not going to push back too hard. He's going to be back with the Raiders coming off of his massive breakout season where he was the RB4 in points per game. He had the highest opportunity share in the NFL, 20 carries a game, a solid 3.8 targets. If the Raiders are cool with just running back that workload, I feel like you have to feel pretty great about Josh Jacobs heading into the uh, 2023 season. Jimmy G at quarterback, I don't think this offense is going to be fantastic, but if you're carrying the ball 20 times, getting targeted close to four times a game, I mean, you're going to put up fantasy points, you know, regardless of how great the offense is. Now at number nine, I have Tony Pollard. And to be completely honest, like it seems tough to bump Pollard over a guy like Jacobs or Walker or Brees Hall, but this ranking really could be too low if the Cowboys don't bring in legit competition for him. Pollard was the RB9 in points per game last year, despite only having a 48.1% opportunity share. That was 34th in the NFL. So he didn't even have like a top 32 workload at the running back position and still was a top 10 guy. And he did it while scoring 12 touchdowns. So that's a solid touchdown number, but he's not one of these guys that, you know, wildly overproduced in touchdowns, scored 19, 20, like that 12 touchdown number probably shouldn't fall off a ton, if at all. Um, And you have to imagine his workload is going to increase with Zeke gone. He averaged 12.1 carries, 3.4 targets per game last season. Not a big workload. 
you bump that up to 15, 16 carries a game, four and a half targets per game. I mean, Tony Pollard is going to be an absolute beast for fantasy football. Just really hoping the Cowboys don't make some like, you know, crazy move and draft a Bijan Robinson in the first round. Now, the last player I have in tier three, going to be Nick Chubb. I know there's a lot of big time Nick Chubb fans out there. I did kind of squeeze him in here in tier three. If you think he should be higher, not going to push back. He's definitely a guy who seems like a very safe option. He's likely going to be a mid to back end RB1 option. I just don't really know if he has that ceiling of a lot of the guys ranked ahead of him. It would just seem to be pretty shocking to see a huge jump in his receiving usage, right? He's had five years of being pretty limited as a pass catcher. So I don't think heading into year six for him, they're going to be like, all right, you know, let's just feed him as a pass catcher just doesn't seem super likely. You know, crazier things have happened though. I do think this could potentially be a year where Nick Chubb is a huge boom in the touchdown department. If this Browns offense really can click, if Deshaun Watson is back to the Deshaun Watson we saw with the Texans, like this could be a really legit offense. So that would obviously be going in the favor of Nick Chubb. But at the running back position, you know, there's really no such thing as safety because injuries can happen to any of these guys. So if I'm drafting a running back, I want a guy who does have that super high upside. I'm not drafting a guy to be, you know, the RB8. If I'm drafting him at RB8, I want a guy who can be a top three guy. And, you know, maybe if they're a little less safe week to week, I'll take the risk there. But that's just me personally. You know, you may really value that safety, which is totally fine. And now moving into tier four, we've got the final two players at RB11 overall. This is where I have Ramondre Stevenson. He looks like he's lined up very nicely with, you know, a lot of the uh, big time running backs already signed. We've got Damian Harris gone, James Robinson coming in. And, you know, I've seen some people saying like, oh, J-Rob is going to compete with Ramondre Stevenson. If we're just looking at it, like Damian Harris is out, James Robinson is in. Like at this point in their careers with James Robinson coming off the Achilles, I view Harris as like the wildly better player. He was a guy that was actively taking away opportunities from Ramondre Stevenson, and Stevenson was still able to finish as the RB14 in points per game. Now, Ramondre did kind of benefit from Damian Harris being banged up throughout the season, but he only scored six touchdowns in 17 games, which, you know, if he had a normal touchdown number, he could have been, you know, a locked in potentially top 10 running back on a point per game basis. And like six touchdowns in 17 games with the workload he had, you know, just very, very unlucky in that area. And it's not like he's a guy where they're taking him out on the goal line. Like Ramondre Stevenson is an absolute unit. Pretty sure he's over uh, 230 pounds. And one of the things that I thought was interesting, at least for me, I felt like Ramondre's role as a pass catcher kind of went unnoticed throughout the season. Like when I was going back, looking through his numbers, this dude averaged 5.2 targets per game, which was, uh, you know, third amongst running backs in terms of total targets. He's going to need to hold on to that role if he wants to see his ceiling. But I mean, if he can put that together, plus, you know, steal a few carries away from what did go to Damian Harris on a Patriots offense that should be better this season. I think he's a super interesting guy who could break into like the mid-tier running back one area with a solid season. And then to wrap up these rankings at RB12, also in tier four, this is where I have Travis Etienne. And full transparency, he's kind of a tough guy for me to rank because he's someone I was really high on heading into 2022. And early on in the season, that was looking like, you know, a tough call. He was splitting with James Robinson. James Robinson was getting more of the opportunities. Etienne was making some mistakes. You know, I think he dropped a few passes. He had some costly fumbles. But then Etienne comes in 
And once he fully took over that backfield, I mean, this dude was dominant in his first three games operating as the guy. Like these are his stat lines in the first three games where he was the RB1 for the Jags. 14 for 114 and a touchdown. That's on the ground. 24 for 156 and a touchdown. And then 28 for 109 and two touchdowns. So at that point, it's like, all right, Travis Etienne, rest of season, he's going to cruise to, you know, a mid-tier RB1 finish. He's going to be a top five guy rest of season. And then his production pretty much fell off. He found the end zone only one time in the next, I think it was like eight games. He went on a really rough stretch, could not get into the end zone. And for me, the most shocking part of ETN's season was just the lack of receiving production. He was a really strong pass catcher in college. You know, he had that connection with Trevor Lawrence, averaged just 2.6 targets per game, and went over three targets only once in his uh, 11 starts. So that's concerning. We're going to need to see that pick up in uh, 2023, but I just don't really know what that workload is going to look like. I do think this offense is going to be a lot better. But I just would have liked to have that, you know, receiving workload locked down for ETN heading into uh, next season. So I have him here at number 12. We'll see if he, you know, moves up or down uh, heading into the season. But that's going to wrap it up for my top 12. Let me know what you guys think. Like I said, still very early on in the offseason. I want to hear what you guys think. Who should be higher? Who should be lower? Did I leave someone off who should have uh, cracked these rankings? Let me hear it down below. I'll make sure to get back to you. If you enjoyed, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. I think actually tomorrow I'm going to be going through my wide receivers, maybe in a day or two, um, but I'll be going through my top 12 wide receivers. So stay tuned for that. Thank you all for stopping by and I will see you in the next one.